Welcome to the fifth episode of Demol Velzi Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who, as his social media last night proved, drinks too much, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. You honestly couldn't expect me to see all that on Facebook and go, yeah, I'm not going to say that on the uh, the podcast. I had a feeling you may have seen it. <laughs> it was my favourite thing all week, was just you going, yeah, I've got a four-hour ride now, and I feel so unwell. <laughs> I, di- I didn't feel as bad as I thought I was going to. Like, the four-hour bus ride from, for those of you who don't know, I'm in Chiang Mai right now again. Um because I went up to Pai for my the three days I had off from teaching. And the four-hour bus ride from Chiang Mai to Pai is a super windy road. Even Thai locals I know on buses have thrown up during the ride. It's that bad because it's windy and it's all hills for four hours straight. And Logan thought it was a great idea to get absolutely shit-hammered. Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as the two nights before that. But yeah, I thought I was feeling all right when I got on the bus. I'm like, eh, I feel, I feel, I feel like I can do this. And then, yeah, as soon as you start driving, like even the ride to Pi, I was really close to throwing it up a couple times. So just imagine if you're a little bit hungover and trying to do that same route, you're not going to feel the best. Like, it's already tough as it is. It's like playing with an extra handicap in a video game. And what else uh, have you been up to this week? Um, let's see. In Chiang Mai, I checked out some temples, hung out. Oh, yeah. Did I? Was Has there already been a full week since I hung out with the tigers? Since I went into a tiger cage? Yes, it has. It was right before you went into the same day as the tiger cage that we spoke last. Okay, so I did it right after we recorded? Yes. So yeah, right after we recorded our last podcast, I went to Tiger Kingdom here in Chiang Mai. None of the tigers are drugged at all. Just want to put that out there. And yeah, you can go inside of a tiger cage and pet the tigers and even lay on their back. And they're just totally cool with that. They all all have names after um, after Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, which highly amused me because there's one name. Or no, the guys from Entourage. That's who the tigers were named after. Um, and what else did I do? Oh yeah, I went up to Doi Sutep, which was a really cool golden temple up in the hills outside of Chiang Mai. And then I went to the town of Pai, which is a four-hour bus ride from here, which I mentioned. It's a small town, but it's all, it's kind of like Bali, where it's all, um, like long-term tourists, really young tourists, like around all people in their early 20s for the most part, and people who are more... Who are more like the party tours in Southeast Asia, where they just hang around for years and years working in hostels and stuff. So I was there for three nights, and yeah, two out of the three nights, we all had to go out, and there was lots of drinking games and whatnot. So basically, you used the last week to feel very young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, only young people hang out with tigers. It was like Mike Tyson's apartment, which is a reference I made when I was in Pi, and no one knew what that meant, even though it's all Canadians and Americans there. They're like, Mike Tyson's par- apartment? I don't get it. It's like, Mike Tyson owns a tiger. Isn't that really well known? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. They're like, oh, okay. And then I was, I made a Rick James reference, and someone at, the person who I made the reference to said, oh, who is a Rick James? 
And what else? There was one other reference where I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a lot of the, it was a much more recent reference that's super popular. And I just couldn't believe my ears. It's like all their brain cells have been lost to partying. <laughs> so anyway, Belgium all. Yes. Holy hell, was that a good episode. I loved it. I, <laughs> as always, I watched it on Monday evening and went, oh my god, this is the best. How is this season so good still? I think it's the, the dinner party scene was so deliciously awkward from start to finish. The great thing is, spoilers, that is actually not a unique challenge. It's based on a previous Vidim challenge, which was also awesome. Yeah, it's just based off of the challenge where they brought back all the hosts for season 10 during Vidim Japan. Oh no, that was based on um, on a different challenge as well. This has actually happened twice in Vidim, because th this challenge is actually based on one from the Vidim Argentina season, where they did exactly this, apart from the picking the politest person who, um, who will get the chance of an exemption the next day, but Everything else is, like, dragged straight from the Vidim Argentina season. I've always wondered if the dinner hosts are aware of the specific challenges that are coming up. I don't think they are. Or if there's... or No, because then they would have to say drainpipe. Um, they would know not to say it. Do they at least know there's something that's going to happen? I don't think so. I think the they tell them as little as is physically possible... Because if you remember anything about what Gilles said to us last year, you'll know that's the sort of thing that they love to do. The example I can think of is the drunk museum heist, where they didn't exactly tell the museum what they were doing. We're going to let unleash a bunch of drunk people into a museum with very valuable and priceless artifacts. You're alright with that, aren't you? <laughs> How high are the insurance costs? So, previously, Ava handled rabbits and went for yokers before a paint cannon exploded and Ingrid was sent home. Things got fishy on their first day at Harlong Bay, before Gilles briefed them all in front of everyone. At the final challenge, it was sink or swim, but they rescued Bruno and Elizabeth on a boat, before Martine sank at the execution and went home. And we open with a Vietnamese war video, and they all have paintball guns, and there is an exemption available in this episode. Which is quite rare for Belgian malts, a big deal when a rice gelling is up for grabs. It is, it's uh, halfway through the season, so it's time to actually save people from execution. And on day eight, the adventure continues moments after Martine's elimination, and they leave luxury to go to the largest island in Halong Bay, Cat Bar. Rock the Cat Bar. Rock the Cat Bar. <laughs> and Jill meets them at the start of a jungle hike, which can earn them up to 5,000 euros. Along the way, they will face three survival challenges and have to nominate the correct person for each challenge to earn the money. And each person has a bandana and a price literally on their head. 100 euros, 300 euros, 500 euros, 700 euros, 900 euros, 1100 euros, and 1400 euros. And if they fail their individual challenge, the money is lost. Do you think Gillis made those headbands? No, but I think that people are sleeping on the fact that those headband colours are almost certainly a clue. <laughs> because any time anyone gets a choice in a show like Belgium Mull, you know that there is a clue hidden behind it. And it's very interesting, because a couple of weeks ago there was a a clue floated around the internet about the colour orange. And everyone thought it related to Yuri because that week he wore a t-shirt with the flag of the Netherlands on it at uh, the execution. However, there's one person who does pick an orange bandana this week, and that is Kat. Hmm. 
And I know it's just confirmation bias, and I'm fully aware that I'm horrifically tunnel-visied right now. But, yeah, Cat picks the orange bandana. She also goes straight ticket by the end of the episode, which is very unusual for a mole to say, barely halfway into the eliminations. She does. And, spoilers, she goes straight ticket on the person who went home. <laughs> which means either she survived only by seconds, in which case Jill would have told us that, or she's the mole. Maybe she at least got like one or two questions right, based on the choices, and Ava just is so nauseous that she just messed up the... Well, Ava even said that she went... Uh, she tilted too much towards one person, so maybe she was able to get away with just zero or one points on the quiz, and and Kat was still able to scrap, like, two or three through. Like, the mole is female. Maybe... So the highest possible score is 18 out of 20. <laughs> So the distribution is that Axel has a light blue and 300 euros, Bass has 900 euros and a black bandana, Bruno has 1100 euros and a red bandana, Elizabeth has 100 euros and a pink bandana, Ava has 500 euros and a yellow bandana, Yuri has 1400 euros and a white bandana, and Kat has 700 euros and the orange bandana. And because he's old, Bruno compares the nature to something you'd find at a garden centre at home. This looks like my backyard. I, I loved, like... I was sleeping on Bruno a little bit at the start of the season, but I'm warming to him now as just basically being the token old person. I still don't love him as much as I loved Steve last year. You know what? You know what would have been great when Bruno signed up to do the direction skill test? The direction should have been that you get attacked by karate kids from all four directions. The kids just start jumping out of the jungle to do those drop kicks. Surprise attack! <laughs> From all directions. It's a survival test, Bruno. <laughs> because there's a chance you will not survive. <laughs> I mean, Bruno's not allowed to go home until they put him on a roller coaster because that's now the, the gold standard for old people. I can't see any of those letters. I'm fully expecting Bruno to go home next week, by the way, because it seems to be the, the older male who goes home at Final Six. Someone pointed it out on... Um, on Bother's Bar this week, that, yeah, you should fully expect Bruno to go home, because it's final six next week. Oh, yeah, that is, is that, a, that is a pattern. What was it, Tybalt in the Argentina season? We had Steve last year, we had um, Hans went home at final six the year before, and, yeah, Thibault. Good old Tybalt. The only guy to get away with sitting out of the challenge. Until this week. <laughs> So, Bruno is a very, 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 very marked man. It would be crazy for Kat. Do you think she's going to go straight ticket again? Or was that kind of a, what's the moral of today's story, children? A wake-up call. Wake-up call, yes. I'm not sure, because it depends on whether you actually suspect her or not. Because if you suspect her, then she'll probably keep going straight ticket and go, Oh, how do I keep surviving? Yeah, I mean, you just want to try and see if you can just... It's like Final Destination, right? You want to keep dodging death. She just has to be careful of the neon sign going through her cafe. Yeah. <laughs> the cat cafe. So the first mini-challenge is for two candidates, and it's to make fire. And they can only use each person once. If they succeed, they earn the money on the bandanas. And they choose Bass and Ava. So there is 1,400 euros at stake in this challenge. 
and they have three minutes to light a lamp with a magnesium stick, and they fail. There's really not a lot else to say about a fire-making challenge. They don't do it. It's, it was supposed to be easy-sheezy. It was supposed to be um, easy-peasy lemon squeeze, and it was difficult, difficult, lemon difficult. I like how they at least said, like, oh, who doesn't, who can't make fire with flint? And I'm thinking, man, they really need to watch the ending of Two Survivor Cook Islands. <laughs> they really need to think, yeah, I probably couldn't do that. I'll hold my hands up, I couldn't do that. It looks it's easy-sheasy, just don't make me do it. Yeah. It's easy-sheasy from a distance. It's also easy-sheasy if you have more than three minutes. Three minutes is not much time to make fire, folks. Can we stop saying easy-sheasy, please? (laughs) (laughs) It ain't easy stopping. It ain't easy being cheesy. Yeah, three minutes is not long at all to make fire. I mean, Sandra couldn't even do it in two hours. (laughs) Like, I know Belgian people can be a lot smarter than Americans at certain things, but three-minute fire-making? I don't think that's ever been done on Survivor in all of their fire-making challenges. I don't think anyone's ever been able to do it in three minutes flat. And something else was distracting me during um, this mini-challenge, because where did Yuri's long socks come from? He just suddenly appeared. (laughs) It's Yuri Longstocking. It's a clue. It's another clue, Michael. Orange shirt last week, really long stockings this week because the mole stocks the contestants. How did I not think of that? <laughs> so the second sign is also two people, and it's directions, and they choose Bruno for eleven hundred euros and Axel for three hundred, and they have to find two hidden pocket knives using compass directions. And it's the karate kids that are holding the pocket knives, so as soon as Bruno takes it out from the tree, he'll suddenly get attacked. Yeah, the the ninja children are just waiting in the trees for him. Tom Tom, Rocky, Colt. (laughs) And he doesn't even expect it, bless him. They just steal every euro off his head. It's quite depressing, actually. Yeah, if only they had different... If uh, Bruno and Axel had swapped the values on their headbands... And they choose to go for Axel's knife together, despite the fact that he is worth significantly less. And they also only have three minutes to find each knife. And they forget to look for the second direction, so lose Axel's 300 euros. I like how Axel is so much taller than Bruno. I don't know if you noticed this in the episode, but like Bruno said, oh, can I look at the map? Axel would only lower the map for like half a second. And then he would quickly raise it so Bruno couldn't see it anymore. It's like he was taunting Bruno the whole time with the compass. Like, you're going to see it. Nope, nope, nope. Way back up here. Jump up here, old man. Axel's such a dick. (laughs) However, you know know what else is really uncomfortable? It's the conversation about gender roles. Yeah, like, what? We can't... Having Ava and Kat or Elizabeth uh, do the direction part? No way in hell. You have no chance. After last week's um, hatred of women from um, from Elizabeth, we get even more hatred of women and why they can't use directions. <laughs> and of all the jokes that I thought were going to return this week, this was not one of them. Yes. Belgium rolling back the clock on, on, on feminism. I'm just thinking with the... 
with the paintball challenge, it it was a man driving the jeep. I wonder if it, if wasn't if it wasn't allowed for Elizabeth to drive the jeep. A more casual misogyny. Yeah, or let's see, let's see what else that cat and Ava were irrational with their quiz taking because they all went for one person because women play the mole emotionally. Emotionally, I should say. It's a real shame that it's Ava who went rather than Elizabeth, purely because I think it would have been a hilarious two-episode arc for Elizabeth to get so close to a potential family visit and then lose because she'd just been a bit too irrational and gone for one person too quickly. That's how her story should end. But it didn't. And they find Bruno's knife with four seconds to spare and bank the 1,100 euros. Yeah, they pretty much bank those euros by pure luck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they know they're in the rough area, but they don't know for certain. Makes Axel that much more suspicious, because I feel like he was doing a lot of little things to hold them back in the challenge. I mean, he definitely succeeded with not getting the first 300 euros. And then I think he was just as shocked as anybody that Bruno found the 1.1 euro knife. The question is whether you think the mole would go for a really low value or not. Yeah, but it's, that's true too. Maybe you'd want to be like Yuri and go for like the maximum. How would you play this as a mole? Because th- this week's challenges are a bit a bit more difficult to put yourself in the mole's shoes, I, th- I think. I mean, Ava was suspicious just because she went for a higher value than said, oh, I'm going to do fire making instead of something really physical. Granted, none of the three challenges are really all that physical. I don't know how I would play this as a mole, honestly. Because you can just like give really, say, oh, I've shot a bow and arrow before. And then you give your two partners in the challenge really bad advice on how to how to shoot it. And then when you shoot the bow and arrow, you can just get really close to the target. You can be like, oh, aim higher, aim higher. Oh, no, no, you missed it. Because if if you were a mole that was selected before the season and you had a chance to practice archery, I'd suspect that the mole would have been doing the archery for that exact reason because it's the one that you can easily go, oops, I messed up on it. But with it being a mole who was selected on location, I'm not sure anymore. I think the contestants could definitely hear if somebody was practicing with a bow and arrow in the hotel room. Yeah, I mean like practicing it in in Belgium like Peter did with the baseball last year. Right. But it would just be funny if they still try to get them to practice on location and like Bruno's sleeping and then suddenly an arrow comes through the, the wall. What the hell was that? And you just hear Jill say... No, you're dumb. <laughs> My friends. And the final challenge awaits them atop a steep slope. And the remaining three each have three arrows and have to try and shoot fruit on a table with a bow from 20 metres away. And if they hit a piece of fruit, they earn the money that is on their head. I didn't know that William Tell was Vietnamese. Apparently so. What they should have done is double the money if um, if they managed to shoot an apple. Yes, and it would be on top of on top of Bruno's head, <laughs> whilst he's being distracted by ninja children. Yeah, it's while he's trying to defend their attack, so it's a moving target. It's just old people getting beat up all the time. Paul Asselson would love that. <laughs> and Yuri aims for a watermelon first, and he's very close because he's shot before. On the second shot, he grazes it, but he misses with the third shot and loses the 1,400 euros. And then the cat aims at the watermelon, but misses twice, and Elizabeth swaps in. 
but she hits the table and no fruit and loses her 100 euros. And then Kat's final shot also misses, meaning the team only earn 1,100 euros of a possible 5,000 for this challenge. Dare I say that their bow and arrow abilities to and using that to succeed did not come to fruition? And now completely unnecessarily, Gilles gives them some Vietnamese treats at their home for the night. And by Vietnamese treats, I of course mean lizards and balut. Where's the scorpion? I know. You had one job, Gilles. One job. But this is the sort of scene that you never see on any other show anymore. It's just a pure character scene of the host absolutely screwing with the players. Because there's no money involved. It's just, here, here's some disgusting shit. You want to eat it? There is no obvious reason for this scene to be included in the episode other than he really just enjoys messing with them. Is there is there a pass dragon hidden inside of the lizard's tongue? Well, he didn't. He did start to imply that whoever ate a, a full blue egg might get something out of it, and they went, nah, actually, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, left it in my, I left it in my other pants pocket. Oh, for God's sake, I, I didn't even mean to wear these shorts. <laughs> Oof, where's my, my rice drilling? Must have been lost on the jungle track. I guess we'll have to hold a special who is the most polite challenge so we can include one. And boy, do they host that challenge. <laughs> and the one very interesting bit of this whole scene, apart from the fact that Gilles is just messing with them, is the camera likes to focus on a sign all about Vietnamese etiquette. I sure hope that won't come into play. It's just for their education. Be more immersed in Vietnamese culture. Talking of being more immersed in Vietnamese culture, on day nine they return to the mainland and are told that they need to wear their best clothing for the second challenge of the episode. Except nobody can find their best clothing. Yeah, no one seems to know what best clothing means. And also, if you were told by Belgian Mall Production that you needed to wear your best clothes, knowing that they've just set a paint bomb off on you, would you really trust them that much? <laughs> yeah, you open up your closet. Why are all my shirts tie-dye? <laughs> Who the fuck packed my case? John! <laughs> Could you imagine... With Rupert Bonham from Survivor, he never meant to wear a tie-dye shirt. It's just like, who keeps, who keeps, who from my, who from Rupert's kids keeps setting off paint bombs in my wardrobe? Who the fuck dyed my shirt? <laughs> and I'm just warming everyone up because this is what our Amazing Grace 31 preview is going to be like. We've waited years to be able to do Rupert Bonham impressions properly, and we're going to get to do it this season. Yes! I have wanted a clean white shirt for 25 years. I love the idea that if Rupert came to this challenge, he would actually wear like a proper button-down shirt, but it would be tie-dye. <laughs> yeah. It'd be funny if that violates Vietnamese etiquette. And cargo shorts. He doesn't have any normal trousers, it's just cargo shorts. <laughs> Rupert's not even allowed. Other people were disqualified from being the most polite person. <laughs> Rupert's not even allowed inside of the room. <laughs> Gilles just takes him aside and goes, Rupert, no. Seriously, no. <laughs> that doesn't just violate Vietnamese etiquette. That violates common decency, wearing that in public. There's like the loot hanging in his beard, too. <laughs> I was saving that for later. 
Why can't I come in? What's wrong? Can I bring in my pets? <laughs> Do you want to see Balboa? <laughs> of all the things I expected us to talk about today on Belgium this was not one of them. Because we're just, like, we're warming up for a Beta Race 31 now. It was a nasty <laughs> surprise that they brought it five weeks early, and we're going to milk it for everything it's worth. It's just rumored with a bunch of Belgian Vietnamese people on a dinner table. <laughs> I've broken you, and I've not even done proper Rupert jokes yet. It's like Yuri trying to say, hey, Reagan playing for Rupert's just... You just picture him getting into Rupert mode of being really intrigued. Reagan pipe? Tell me about this Reagan pipe, Yori. <laughs> so just a couple of observations, apart from the fact that Rupert is in the background with a button-down tie-dye shirt and um, Balut hanging out of his beard. Um, Elizabeth irons her dress with a hair straightener. I don't know whether you spotted that. Nope. And Bruno's wife pats his case, but then finds out that he has no socks. Shoeless Bruno. What would have happened if Bruno went to a cold climate, if Gilles had gone back on his word and sent them to, like, Russia or something? Yeah. Started him off in Siberia, and then he he's just walking around with smart shoes and absolutely no socks. It's just really big um, uh, frostbite on his toes the whole time. Death and frostbite. And they will be the guests of a Vietnamese wine enforcer for the second challenge of the episode. And at this challenge, they have to impress their hosts, as one person will be designated the most polite contestant, and that person will have an advantage in the next challenge. And they will also find out that there is up to 2,800 euros available at this challenge if they complete little mini-challenges. But will those mini-challenges go against Vietnamese etiquette? Hmm, I wonder. And because they're early... Jill gives him a quick guide on Vietnamese etiquette, and then Kat points out that it was previously available on a sign at the um, the evening before his meal. Kat noticed it. Kat noticed it, but she didn't draw attention to it. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if they came up with crazier ideas, but they were so afraid of coming up with challenges that were too rude that it would offend Mr. and Mrs. Huang. Yeah, what do you think were the um, the challenges that they couldn't do on this? Because some of them were ridiculous. Yeah, but they were more playful ridiculous. Like, um, there wasn't one where it's like, you know, eat like, you know, have a mouthful of food and then spit it back out onto your plate slowly. I could see something like talk with your mouthful being on there. Yeah, or like, you can't say f- f- fuck you to the host or something. <laughs> For 800 euros, get the host to tell a dirty, dirty joke that we won't be able to wear. I mean, like, <laughs> filthy, dark joke. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why and then they said, we're the, aristoc- the aristocrats. <laughs> or hit, hit on Mrs. Mrs. Huang. Yes, don't talk to the host at all. Just direct every question through his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Mrs. Huang, what do you think? <laughs> I would like to make a toast to Mrs. Huang. Thank you for inviting us to your home. It's actually my restaurant. I bought this, not her. You can say thank you to me, okay? <laughs> or be like, 
Hey, Axel, how much can you bench press? Mrs. Huang, I can bench press 400 pounds. And just to add a little bit of fun, because it's incredibly rude, they have to all speak English at the meal. So for the finale, does that mean everyone in the audience has to speak English? Otherwise, it's going to be rude. Exactly. It's going to be rude to those of us who are flying in from different countries. Hint. To go to the uh, the finale, they have to all, just all speak English. I expect English subtitles in our screen. Which, let's be honest, is going to be the cat screen. Because I'll strong arm you into supporting cat if she's there. <laughs> and then does that mean... Or with Elizabeth there, like right before the screening starts, she has to make a really long speech? Yeah, and, and also she has to, to make sure that the, the women don't feel as good in the, the cinema. She needs to make sure that all the women feel a bit more hesitant about her being the mole. I bet you when Elizabeth was at the dinner, that she was she probably asked for permission to speak each time. <laughs> I mean, I know Elizabeth is being set up to go home pretty soon, but also I love the fact that we can just continually make these jokes about her. Or what they also should have done at the Vietnamese dinner is that one of the things that you have to say is. You know what I'm a big fan of? Capitalism. <laughs> Your thousand euro challenge is to say that communism sucks. <laughs> I really hate the Reds. For 1500 euros, just say Ho Chi Minh was an idiot. <laughs> or do the Robin Williams impression. Follow the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Follow the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And the twist to this challenge is that there are three Vietnamese etiquette experts watching and making notes, and they will be the ones to decide who the politest person is, despite what Mr. Huang wants. Are there no male etiquette connoisseurs in Vietnam? I'm not sure, but it, it's hilarious that Mr. Mr. Huang ends the challenge just going, yeah, I think Cat was really good, and the women on the jury just go, no, 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 we're not putting Cat for this. She whispered too much. And Yuri gets told to excuse himself to go to the bathroom, but instead he finds seven envelopes on top of a barrel, and each of them contains the challenges which will earn the money for the pots. And Yuri's challenge is to ensure that their host says the word Regenpipe, the Dutch for drainpipe, and he can earn 300 euros for this challenge. He doesn't put much effort into it. He doesn't, he just tries to piggyback off um, off Cat's song later in the episode and and try and say that there is a song called Reagan Pipe, and and drop Elizabeth in it, and uh, get her to sing a song about Reagan Pipes. Because if if there is one topic that I can sing hundreds of songs on, it's Drain Pipes. <laughs> That's what I was going to name my first kid. What, Drain Pipe Saunders? Drain Pipe Saunders. <laughs> I mean, you've said it now, it's out there in the ether, you've got to live up to it. It's like uh, Chalupa Batman from uh, from uh, the League. Your future lady friend probably won't be very happy to uh, to call your firstborn child Drainpipe, but you've committed to it now. You can't go back. And then there is a wonderfully awkward moment when Yuri suggests that Elizabeth goes to the bathroom, and she just goes, "But I don't have to." <laughs> now I think you really want to go to the bathroom. Hint. There's a glory hole in there. It's a perfect opportunity for you to say that women are so disgusting in their bathrooms. <laughs> you know what one of the cards should have been? 
after saying you had to go to the bathroom is that you have to return saying you do not want to go in there. <laughs> for 150 euros, oof, I'd leave it a few minutes if I were you. <laughs> or say, is there any ventilation in the bathrooms? <laughs> Just come back and go, pee you. <laughs> Ask or ask if Mr. Huang has to go to the bathroom. And then Yuri has to be like, no, I think you really want to. I'm, I'm really sorry, I don't know what the English word for it is. I've got a blocked Reagan pipe. <laughs> no, the toilet has a blocked Reagan pipe. Come back here. Where's your guys' plunger? If you're Yuri, that is the way to do it. You have to... Just say, oh, sorry, I don't know what the, the word for it is. Um, it, it's Regenpipe in Dutch. That's how you do it. There's no other way to accomplish that challenge, I would say. Or just be like, hey, can we all say Regenpipe together? We all take a turn around the table? Just say it's a toast to your friend named Regenpipe. Yeah, Yori really did not try very hard. I feel like there is so many ways to say it. And given that we know after the challenge that the value of it was based on how difficult the challenge was to accomplish, the fact that it was only a 300 euro one means it's not that difficult. Axel hung out under a table for a minute. It is, he even made the sacrifice to hit his own head on the table to cross the one minute mark. We're getting there, but I lost it when Axel was under the table. It was so funny. But this is a really clever challenge, because, let's be honest, they knew there was going to be an exemption on offer to the person who was the most polite one. So there's a trade-off between being the person who earns money this time, and being the person who can earn an exemption. And it's whether you go into your challenge going, oh, I know I'm going to screw myself over here, but I'll help the group, or whether you go, sod you guys, I want to just appear to be polite. I I disagree with that, Michael. I'm going to get five minutes of this now, Anna. Uh, I was going to cut it down to whenever I got bored, so probably one. Good. <laughs> no, no, I, I decide. No, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Elizabeth eventually does go to the bathroom, and she gets a 600 euro challenge, which is to make a two-minute toast. And boy, is she bad at ad-libbing. Two minutes not that long. We record one-hour podcasts about a one-hour TV show each week. And you're telling me you can't go on a two-minute Shakori, Shaquillo, soliloquy? That's the thing, you just pick a topic and then you go for it, because as long as no one can interrupt you, you earn the money. I mean, we did a a full two minutes on the idea of Rupert Bonham and his tie-dye button-down shirts. Like, she could have just stood up and made a speech about her theories on what will happen in the final season of Game of Thrones. What I would have done in her case is I would have talked about the other people. Or, no, no, you want to really, really win the Huangs over, make a two-minute toast about how aw- speech about how awesome communism is. Or how awesome Vietnam is. How awesome Vietnam is, yeah. Be like, man, Vietnam, what a great country, you know? Halong Bay, It's those are beautiful islands. They are such cool islands. They pop out of the water. You can paddle through them. Um, with your hands and your feet? I don't know you could paddle with your feet. Um, Ho Chi Minh City? Wow, what a city. 
so many scooters and bikes everywhere. It's like a game of Frogger. Every time I cross the street, it's so much fun. And the humidity, whew, I've wanted to lose weight for a long time, you know. And I'm, it, the humidity is great because I sweat, sweat off all of my fat. And what's also great about Vietnam is the lizards and the balut that we ate last night. They were delicious. I'm going to start making them at home. Mr. Wong, can you send me the recipe? Um, Hanoi. It's the capital city and also the best capital city of all the capital cities in the world. Like, I'm probably almost at two minutes right there. Yeah, the six other people who you know very well around that table, you talk about each of them for 20 seconds, you get your money. Simple as that. Yeah, do that too. I mean, she could have also talked for two minutes about her favorite subject, which is why women suck. This is my two-minute speech denouncing feminism. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine somebody doing that at a fancy dinner? My favourite thing about all of these jokes is the fact that it's almost certain that when we're in Antwerp in a few weeks, we're going to bump into Elizabeth, and she's probably going to be aware that we just keep joking that she hates women. <laughs> so I'll say it now, Elizabeth, we know you don't hate women. This is what we call comedy. Can we do a two-minute speech about comedy? No. <laughs> And Axel is the next person to go up and get his challenge, and he gets the most valuable challenge of all. 700 euros. All he has to do is stay under the table for a minute. And of all the people to get this, of course you give it to the guy who is far, far taller than everyone else. He's a little longer than the table. Like, does it still count if part of his body has to be out of the table because he's so damn tall? The visual of Axel having to crouch under the table is just delightful. Oh, my chopsticks. And Ava says that she's left-handed, so she can't eat very well with her right hand, so she asks for permission to eat with her left. And her challenge is to knock a wine glass over, and if she does it, she earns €100. Euros. And Kat asks to sing a song with everyone before they eat, and this is her challenge, and she has to sing a song and get at least three people to join him, and she can earn €400 Euros for this challenge, which she does, nice and easy. At which point, Yuri takes the opportunity to introduce the word Regenpipe and try and dump Elizabeth in it, saying that she's got a beautiful singing voice and does she want to sing a song about drain pipes? She says, no. <laughs> no, I will not sing a song about that word you just said. I have to keep my, I have to keep my uh, dignity intact. It wouldn't be very ladylike to sing a song about Regenpipes. And Chopstagetica is quite important, and Yuri's previous struggles come back to bite him, and Axel also struggles controlling the chopsticks. And his first attempt to hide under a table fails as he drops his chopsticks, but they're immediately replaced by the hostess as per the etiquette. And Bruno's challenge was to tell a joke for 200 euros, and he succeeds, and Yuri really likes it. Like, Yuri loses his shit over it. <laughs> That, that, I, I hear losing your shit laughing at a joke at a fancy dinner is not good etiquette. <laughs> Yori then has to ask for the brown bandana. And Axel stays under the table for 1 minute 7 seconds and earns the 700 euros. However, he does lose points with the jury for his antics. He loses all the points with them. They just say, that is very rude. You do it as quick as possible. To be fair, I don't think he was going to win anyway, because they really didn't like his chopstick etiquette. Yeah, they were atrocious with chopsticks. I guess they don't really use them in Belgium. I love how 
a recurring joke from episode one has come back to bite Yuri, given that we saw how terrible he was with chopsticks in episode one, and now we get to see it all over again when he's actually being judged on it. That's the definition of a great season joke. <laughs> For if rice shelling, you must be able to properly pick up this food with a chopstick, Yuri. Hot the dumber. <laughs> it gets you into the final three. And then we get my favourite quote of the episode, when one of the panels says, Elizabeth, she drinks too much. In our culture, it's not very good for women to drink so much. <laughs> After two full episodes of Elizabeth judging women, women judge her. The tables have turned, Mr. Bond. And her attempt at making a speech fails as she only lasts 90 seconds and that loses her the 600 euros. Although I would have loved it if she would have tried again. Or made another speech. Yeah, just waited about five minutes and then made another two-minute speech or tried to. Just a a sequence, a series of one minute and 45 second speeches. Just sits back down and goes, Hot for Doma, I've not done it yet. (laughs) What do I talk about now? I'm out of topics. And then Baz's challenge is revealed, which is to disagree with everything for five minutes. And if he does, he hits 500 euros. And I think this is actually the most difficult challenge of all. To to still be polite? Still be the most polite at the table and disagree for five minutes straight? To completely tell everyone around the table that they are wrong for five minutes. Imagine the subjects that could have come up. We, there are some golden opportunities here. No, I do not think the Earth is round. No, I do not think you should vaccinate your children. That's the next one I was going to say, too. Yes. No, I do not believe in freedom of religion. No, I don't think women should have the right to vote. I was going to go with a women one next. (laughs) No, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure the US won. could have get me in so much trouble. <laughs> could you imagine if the Vietnam War somehow came up as a topic during dinner? Something tells me that they were specifically briefed not to mention the Vietnam War. <laughs> Wait, Mr. Wong, you were a POW? I don't believe you. And he does disagree with the host and annoys him, but earns the 500 euros. And he was still the most polite. He disagreed with the host for five minutes straight. Even disagree them say, with them saying, no, you should not be drinking coffee. Do you know what that does to your heart? It's terrible for you. It's terrible for you. Mr. Huang, I want to be able to have dinner with you if you uh, if you come to Belgium next year. I don't think you're going to make it to Antwerp. And the jury immediately eliminates Elizabeth, Axel, Yuri, and Ava as they were the worst. The worst. <laughs> and the host wanted to choose Kat, but the jury overrule him and narrow it down to Bass and Bruno. And they earned 1,800 euros and possible 2,800. And Bass is selected as the most polite contestant. And he's taken away immediately by Gilles. At least he didn't do the five minutes at the very end of the challenge, so we didn't have to disagree with Jill and say, no, I do not think I, I was the most polite. I think it was Jury with his chopsticks. And I, I bet Bass was well excited when he, uh, he got picked as the most polite contestant, because last time he got taken away somewhere for the night... He got to stay in a temple and have the coolest experience ever on the mole. This time, not so much. He just gets to stay in a a bunker. (laughs) Hey, you remember John McCain? 
This is your role. You're going to the Hilton. <laughs> yes. Oh, sweet, a night at the Hilton. <laughs> the Hanoi Hilton. Dun, dun, dun. And Bruno says that his main suspects, Ava and Yuri, had easy challenges. And Elizabeth can't improvise. And Kat says that Yuri didn't try very hard. And one thing I did notice was that above the challenge barrel, there's a massive picture of the Last Supper. And I'm wondering whether that's going to be a clue of some description. Because it was very visible. Peter's religious clues continue. Maybe I've just got burned by you saying that the religious imagery last year wasn't leading towards Peter, even though it was. And everybody wakes up on day 10 without Bass, and they realise that if they get through this episode, their families will hopefully visit. And Ava is super sick, and lies down for the entire drive towards their last challenge of the episode. It was Mr. Huang. Mr. Huang's dinner gave her food poisoning. Well, I'm I'm not denying it, but I'm also not... Yeah, I'm I'm not denying it. I certainly wouldn't say it, but I'm not denying it. Yeah. It's like their version of Bolly Belly. Bass is taken to some tunnels and lots away, and everyone else has to find him and get him to a jeep unharmed at the top of a hill in an hour to get 4,000 euros for the pots. And each person has two dog tags, each dog tag in the jeep, that earns that candidate a yoker. If they get shot... They could still give their one of their dog tags to a person to try and earn a yoker at the end. And going back to our discussions from last year about stereotypical challenges, at what point after they decided on Vietnam do you think they went, hmm, we need to do some sort of Vietnam War reference. Let's tie it into the paintball game. We tied Mexican standoff into the paintball game last year. Why don't we do it this time? You always have to have one each season on them all. I just love the, the idea of what they were spitballing for the... Um, for the stereotypical challenges. And going, yeah, actually, how about we just do Vietnam War? <laughs> It'll be sweet. What's the worst that could happen? Agent Orange? That's probably the worst that could happen if I recall the Vietnam War correctly. And Ava is still feeling unwell and doesn't want to participate, so she has to give her dog tags to someone else. And along the way, there are six snipers, and they get the first part of a map to get them to an armory where guns and another map await, and Ava decides to give her tags to Bruno. And I think I probably would have hated this challenge if I was on the mole. I would have hated it if I was Axel, because I'm a really big target. <laughs> you're a really big target anyway. That's what I mean. He's huge. I mean, you shoot at him, you're probably going to hit him. It's the same reason I don't like playing Laser Quest. I haven't played Laser Quest for years, and I actually got penalised the last time I played Laser Quest because I was crouching too much. I'm 6'5", what do you expect? <laughs> I'm a walking target if I don't. So Axel, he did not last long. He did not, no. I think you mean human target Axel. Human target Axel, yes. <laughs> and Yuri gets the only gun that they can have before the armory, and they come under fire from a sniper almost immediately, but everyone reaches the armory in under six minutes, and the next map takes them to a key which will free bass, and then Axel gets hit and has to stay behind and gives his tag to Elizabeth. And then we get the most dramatic scene in Belgian mole history. How will we ever get past this sniper? Bruno, what are you doing? No! no. no. Any war movie I've ever seen, you need to have some sort of sacrifice to make it more emotional. It really couldn't have been non-scripted any better. 
exactly. I, I, I think he probably got there and thought, yeah, I'm not going to be able to survive this. I'm just going to get a hero edit out of this. <laughs> and the way he did it, too. Just running across and just started shooting until he got shot. Bruno, what are you doing? No. They killed Bruno. Bruno died on his way back to his home planet. <laughs> yes. All he needed was, like, right after Bruno dies, they all should have had a moment to be like, we're going to do this for Bruno. That is the only thing that was missing. If the karate kids didn't get him, the snipers certainly would hit. Yeah, the problem for Bruno is that any time he gets eliminated in anything, he he does end up having to be attacked by karate children. It's just how it works now. Yeah, they just all pour out. He's down, Bruno's down, he's not even moving, why are you still kicking him? He's human! <laughs> and then you have the three women judging, they're taking notes. It is not polite to kick an old man repeatedly, especially in the testicles. I don't want to pick the small ninja children. <laughs> Even though Mr. Huang thought they were the best. Did you see the children? They were whispering in Vietnamese. That's very polite in Vietnamese culture. <laughs> and Axel gives the map to Elizabeth, although she almost immediately loses it. Almost loses a map by accident, keeps a dragon when she meant to lose it by accident. Like, this episode is quite difficult to put yourself in the mole shoes and go, where would I want to be? But I think the easiest place to sabotage would be if you have control over the map on this challenge. Yes, if you're in control of the map, that's definitely where you would want to be. But of course, Yuri is well onto her games, and picks up the map and sneaks it into his pocket. And then reveals it later. Yeah. And Bruno takes the time to admire the view, at which point Elizabeth does notice that she's dropped the map. And in Baz's cell, he notices a map with an extra location, that of an exemption. Which everyone knows is going to come up. Yeah, everyone knows there's going to be an exemption hidden somewhere, just they don't think to um, to actually you know look around for it. And because they lost the map, they go in a circle and lose the time. And then Yuri reveals that he has the map, and they find the key alongside another map. And the next map leads them to a bunker where they can get ammunition for their guns, as well as another map. And then the emotional Bruno sacrifice, which we've already gone over. And Kat takes out the shooter, and she agrees to take Bruno's tag, but not Ava's, as she's already had some uh, yokers. And they reach the ammunition depot and get the final map. And then, in the most badass thing in the entire episode, the next shooter has a machine gun. I was genuinely unaware that they made paintball machine guns. I will die. definitely be buying one when I get home. Are you not able to um, to smuggle one home from um, from Thailand? I don't think it'll fit into my carry-on. I'd love it if you just got stopped at customs and went, Is that a paintball machine gun in your bag? <laughs> Can I have it? I'm going to have to confiscate that purely for unrelated reasons to the fact that you know I think it's legitimately badass and then uh, actually I think I no last year I tried to do that I was going through the airport with a uh, paintball machine gun and the guy said yeah I want to have it and he takes it and then behind me in line you won't believe it um, he was going to some sort of engagement Rupert was behind me and then he was about to go through the the through security 
And the guy had so much fun with the paintball machine gun, he just starts shooting, and Rupert's like, No! My one white shirt. <laughs> Not again. Death and rot. <laughs> if you think our Rupert impressions are tedious now, just wait until Amazing Race 31. <laughs> We've legitimately been doing Rupert impressions for six years on the podcast, and now we actually get to talk about him. <laughs> and Cat gets shot in the back as they try and sneak around the guy with the paintball machine gun, and only Yuri and Elizabeth are still alive with 12 minutes to go. And in order to get past his exemption, they will have to retrace their steps, go past the machine gun paintballer, and find it hidden attached to the bars of a window on the narrow alleyway they tried to use to get around him. And Baz lies to them and and says that they have to get a code to activate their yokers. Elizabeth correctly doesn't believe him, as he was the most polite previously, and he moves them past the map on the wall quite quickly, and they have eight and a half minutes to get his exemption and run to the jeep. And then Bass gets his exemption and claims that it was a trap, and that there's nothing there, but Elizabeth spots the exemption in his pocket because they're massive. With four minutes left to go, they just have to get to the jeep. With 50 seconds to go, Baz reaches the jeep, but Yuri and Elizabeth are under fire, and they all do make it, but Elizabeth and Yuri both throw dog tags off the jeep, because they don't want to give Yokos to anyone else. Except one for Bruno. <laughs> yeah, except the accidental one for Bruno. And that earns them 4,000 euros for this challenge, 6,900 of a possible 11,800 for the episode, and 18,950 euros of a possible 47,400 for the season so far. Not bad. Not bad, yeah, they're doing pretty decently. And Bruno has one yoker, and Elizabeth and Yuri have two, and Baz has an exemption for the next test. And it's now time for that test. 20 questions on the actions and identity of them all. Whoever knows least goes home. And Yuri says that Kat took a risk at the paintball challenge, so she's inherently suspicious. Elizabeth says that Ava didn't even attempt her challenge at the dinner. Kat says it's disappointing that people didn't take their tags and that she's going 100% on Ava. Bruno says it's crazy that anyone took the tags. Axel says that Bass is a good liar, as he convinced Yuri and Elizabeth. And that is the extent of our suspicions. We don't hear from two people. We don't hear from either Ava or Bass. Well, I guess Bass didn't really give a damn about who he suspects this week. Yeah, but it's going back to the, the old we-never-find-out-who-people-suspect rule on the test that they go home. Ava was the only person who we didn't hear from, and she goes home. And Yuri and Bruno get green screens before Ava is the one to go home, and Kat looks very confused. For real this time. Yeah, for reals. Last time it was a lie, this time it was not so much. Mm -hmm. And then we end the episode with another diary of the mole. The job I have is not to be underestimated. It's all really exciting. The briefings are short, but I'm looking forward to a lot more moling. The hard part is already knowing that the visit isn't coming. The others talk a lot about it, and I know that it will be a heavy blow. Vicious. So next week, the family visit doesn't come, but instead they get to control their loved ones remotely. And there are chickens, motorcycles, and selfies before a plane appears. I really don't want to know what's going to be sprayed from that plane. So, who is on your suspect list? Elizabeth jumped up huge this episode. Interesting. Anyone else? Um, yeah, because Elizabeth sabotaged two out of the three challenges. Um, let's see, Axel is pretty high up on there too for me. And Yuri. Because Yuri screwed up 
you know, with two out of, th- of the three challenges as well. Yori's playing too hard. Yori's a contestant. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, if I had to narrow it down to half the field, it'd be Yuri, Elizabeth, and Axel. But Elizabeth's pretty much number one for me right now. And the other question that I love to ask at this point is, who do you think the final three are going to be? Um, Boss. Boss seems very with it. Even if he does look like Buster Bluth from Arrested Development. I'm a monster. <laughs> the fact that he was in the military camp even amused me more this episode when that's all I can think of with him. <laughs> it's not an exemption, Elizabeth. Mother boy bass. Mother boy bass. I think we found a new nickname. <laughs> Let's see. Elizabeth, bass, and... No, Bruno's old, so he's going to go home soon. Uh, maybe Axel makes final three, too. See, I was thinking about this last night, um, as I often do with the podcast. I was thinking about this uh, in bed. I think that Cat's obviously the mole, and I've thought that for weeks, and as soon as I get proven wrong, I'm going to be mortified, but I think Cat's the mole, and I think the other two in the final two are going to be Yuri and Bass. Hmm. Who's going to get executed next? Are we just going to say Bruno? Yeah, I think it's it's obviously Bruno's time. He's got to continue the streak of old men going home at six. Although, if you ask Elizabeth, she thinks that women aren't capable um, um, getting to final four, so the next two executions might be women from her perspective. Hopefully one of them is her. <laughs> she goes home next. Women can't be involved. Yeah, if she goes home because of something that a woman does. She gets lost on her way to the laptop to do the quiz. Yeah. I just love the idea that Elizabeth is going to keep getting foiled by women all season. She doesn't suspect Cat the whole game. <laughs> so have you got anything else you want to say? After an hour and a quarter? No, I think we cover this episode. I think so too. So, thank you very much for listening to this Demol Bells recap. We'll be back next week for more Mole Hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Log Super Quacky for Logan. Also, if you're watching Amazing Race 31, thanks to their stupid, stupid decision to bring it forward five weeks, our preview podcast is out this Sunday, and we will recap the season every Sunday after that. See you next week. Peace out, and just chill to the next of flavoring. Yeah. <laughs>